Hallelujah. Come on, that feels good. Let's give the Lord some praise. There's some thankful people in the house of God that are grateful that the Lord didn't leave you where he found you. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for that. Come on, can you praise him for where he brought you out of? Hallelujah. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be and how you used to be. And he made the difference. Somebody give him praise. Oh, somebody shout and give God some glory. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad about it. Amen. The Bible says serve the Lord with gladness. Don't ever lose your thankfulness and your happiness and your gladness for what the Lord has done. Amen. One more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open, and we're going to kind of have our Bibles open and available at uh, Genesis chapter 27. We're going to continue on in our Bible study. <clears throat> in our previous Bible study, we spent most of our time talking about Esau. And really, there's two brothers. They are twins, and inside of the womb of Rebekah, she has, uh, she has conceived from being barren to conceiving twins, and she is in pain. And in the midst of this pain, she didn't understand why she was in this pain and what this pain meant. And so what's beautiful about the scriptures is it says she prayed and she asked God, what does this mean? I need understanding as to why I feel the way that I feel. I think that's an important prayer that we all need to pray at times. And God began to answer her and told her that there are two nations and two manners of people in your womb. Now, what's beautiful about this is not only is God speaking into the future uh, and talking about the lineage and the nations that are coming out of Jacob and Esau, but he also talks about their character and he speaks prophetically about that there are two manners of people. And Esau being born first, hairy and red, he's in the field, he's always doing things based on how he feels. He's always doing things not based on prayer, but he's doing what his flesh wants. And, uh, and you see this. And there are types of people that if you're not careful, this is a, a typology of the flesh and the spirit. That your flesh will just do whatever it feels. And the other manner of person was Jacob. This is Jacob before he has been redeemed. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. He is a heel grabber. And we find that as they grow, they got different. And I'm just recapping this for somebody here tonight. That Esau becomes a mighty hunter. And Jacob was a domesticated young man living in the tent as a shepherd. Isaac favored Esau, but Rebekah favored Jacob. The Bible declared to Rebekah when she prayed for a word from God that God said the elder shall serve the younger. He, she knew there was something special. And let me just say this. There was something special about Jacob, although it did not appear that way on the outside. It did not look like he had anything special, but it was special. Amen. 
And as the eldest, Esau was given the birthright. But that birthright came with, everybody say, responsibility. Got all of the blessings, but it came along with responsibility. And so Esau, in a moment of hunger, traded his birthright for just a bowl of lentils. Just one meal, one appetite changed it all for Esau. And the Bible says that he despised the birthright. He thought little of the birthright. And this is more than just, uh, uh, this, is, this is something we all have to be careful of. Because when Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is writing, he is looking or they are looking for the most profane person that they can find as an example of what not to be. And the name that they pull up is Esau. Now, there's a lot more that we didn't have time to get into to talk about Esau. But if you notice and you look through the scriptures, you can do this on your own. You will find that Esau gets married to multiple women trying to do what he thinks is right, even though it's not right, just doing what he wants. And also he finds himself, when he didn't get it right, at the end of it all, he goes out and, and, he's, and you can notice through the scriptures it implies that he spends time with Ishmael. Now, I wonder sometimes why Esau despised or thought little of the birthright. Now, it might be the responsibility. He'd rather be out hunting than taking care of the business of God. But I also believe that because he was in proximity of Ishmael, that Ishmael, who for, for, for a couple, probably about 15 years of his life, he has spent being told, you're the promised son. The, the birthright is upon you. The blessing's going to be upon you. And then when God came by and said, no, the blessing doesn't belong to Ishmael. It belongs to Isaac. And when, it, when Isaac's son spends time out there with his uncle, no doubt, because, and we can look at the scriptures, and it kind of implies this, because uh, Ishmael became a mighty hunter. And Esau follows in the footsteps of his uncle. And he is a mighty hunter as well. And I just have to believe that, no doubt, in times of hunting with his uncle and spending time with his uncle, that his uncle began to tell him that the promises of God are not a big deal. That, yeah, that's what they told me as well. And the Bible says in Hebrews that a, lest a root of bitterness springing up in you, just like it did for Esau. I wonder sometimes who planted that seed of bitterness. Up until that point, he had no reason to be bitter. He was blessed and favored. But no doubt, it was the bitterness of Ishmael that got into Esau. And you've got to be careful the voices that you let into your life. You've got to be careful the voices that you let influence you because those very people, they might just be full of bitterness. And they and let me tell you about bitterness. Bitterness doesn't want to be bitter alone. Bitterness doesn't want to stay by itself. It's, uh, it's, it's often like they say, misery loves company. Bitter people love company. Have you ever noticed, let's just talk about this for a moment. Have you ever noticed people that go to church together that hate each other in church Leave church and become the best of friends. You ever notice that? I, I've noticed that. In fact, there's whole entire churches that have started, and some even right now being started off bitter people. Bitter people that the only reason they come together is the Bible says that, that Herod and Pilate, who were at odds against each other, that when it came to crucifying Jesus, they made friends. 
you got to be careful how you make friends and why you make friends. And, oh, we make friends because we both hate people together. And we make friends based on who we're against. And we make friends based on what we're against. And we make friends based on our mutual bitterness. There are some people, they, are, they have come together in friendships, in marriage, based on a mutual hatred. you got to be careful not to do that because it will make you a profane person. And when God looks at this, he looks at, uh, when the writer of Hebrews looks at this, he says Esau could not find a place of repentance, no place of forgiveness. This is an Old Testament parallel to the New Testament teaching of blaspheming the Holy Ghost, which the Bible says there ha- the man hath no forgiveness. Now, I know a lot of people that have had uh, questions about that. We won't do a whole Bible study on this. But I want to tell you ultimately what blaspheming the Holy Ghost is. Number one. It is attributing a work of God to the devil. In context, they were saying Jesus is doing this by the devil. If you truly believe that the work of God is of the devil, you will never find a place of repentance. You will never, if you think the church is just full of the devil, uh, you'll never come to the altar, you'll never pray, and ultimately you'll never find a place of repentance. Secondly, Blaspheming the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is the conscious uh, effort to harden and to oppose the truth. This is why the Bible says that God will give people over to a strong delusion if they have not a love for the truth. I want to tell you, even if it's an uncomfortable truth, you have to love it. If, if it's hard to hear, you don't like it. And let me tell you, as a pastor, I try to make sure that the way I present truth is palatable, but I'm just human. And sometimes it's not palatable. And some truths are so difficult, no matter how much you sugarcoat it, it's just not palatable. You can wrap the medicine in peanut butter, and you still don't want to eat it. There are just some truths that God will share to you, whether in prayer, through His Word, or even from across the pulpit, that you will, no matter whether you want to like it, you will not like it. There are truths uh, that come from God's Word. There are truths about you as an individual. There are things that God will speak to you that you will never progress, never move forward if you don't change them. And God will present to you that truth. And if you do not love that truth, that doesn't mean you like that truth. You've got to say, this is true. Because people that start going, well, I don't know if that's true. You know, we're we're, we're falling into end time, and this is not, I've got to get where we're going here tonight. But we are falling into end time deception. People are, 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 are going to believe that other things are God, and it's going to where we're going here today. They're believing that there is another Jesus, and how is the Antichrist going to deceive people? Because people are deceiving themselves right now. They are deceiving themselves right now, and, and they are ignoring the truth of life. They are ignoring the truths that are presented to them. They are ignoring the truth of God's Word. And when the Antichrist shows up, he will be everything that they have made God to be, and the Word of God has not made God to be, and they will crown him king. This is why you don't want to wait until that day comes to hear the Word of God, get the Word of God in your heart, get the Word of God in your mind, so that when, you, when the day of deception and day of temptation comes, you've already made up your mind that whether I like this truth or not, I believe it. Jesus put it this way. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen.
if you don't believe it to be truth, it will not make you free. You got to know it's truth, even if it's uncomfortable. And I just, I'm going to move off of that. But, but don't, don't take what God has said in truth and harden yourself like Pharaoh and become distant to it. Uh, let me just put it this way. You can be on, you can be on drugs. You can get, you can get drunk and high before you show up to church. You can be all sorts of messed up. And as long as you make it to the house of the Lord and you hear preaching, I want to tell you, you have a chance. You have hope. But the moment you can be sober, you can have uh, a nice job and a 401k, but the moment you stop your ears to what comes across the pulpit and you stop what that comes out of the Word of God, I want to tell you, you have lost your only chance. You have lost the ability to hear the truth. So you got to have the truth. And Pastor, why does Bible study matter? I'll tell you why Bible study matters. Because if you don't have the truth, you will be lost. Amen. Genesis 27. It's going to lead us into where we're going here tonight. Genesis 27. When Isaac became old and near to death, he's about blind. The Bible says his eyes grew dim. He instructed Esau to go out hunting and to prepare him some venison. In returning, he would immediately receive his blessing. He had to go out, hunt, and come back for it. But when Rebekah heard that I heard Isaac's request, in secret she directed her son Jacob, who she had a word for. Now, I want to just point this out. We, are, we have the benefit of reading the Bible and seeing the whole picture. Amen. She's got a word from God that the elder shall serve the younger. But here she is operating and acting not godly. Deception is not godly. This is not a good thing. And uh, how she gets to the end result is not good. For those that say, well, do the ends justify the means? No. No, they don't. Well, if, you, well, if I lie, cheat, and steal and get to the top, I want to tell you, the process and how you get where you're going is just as important as getting there. And everybody said amen. And so here she takes her son, and she wants Jacob to receive the blessing, and so they make a plan that they're going to deceive Isaac, and so we're going to talk about the deception that comes upon Isaac. Genesis chapter 27 and verse 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go and fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. So she now takes her son, she dresses him in her brother in his brother's clothing and she puts on the smooth skin of Jacob, she puts the hair of a goat to try to imitate his brother. And Jacob presented himself before his father. Let's go to verse number 19. And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn 
I'm sorry, verse number 18. And he came unto his father, and he said, My father, and he said unto him, Here I am. And his father asked, Who are you, my son? Now this is going to make a big difference when we get later to Jacob's name being changed from uh, Jacob to Israel because God asked the same question. The question is, who are you? And it is this idea that I have to be somebody other than who I am to receive a blessing from my father that has caused many people to go the wrong direction. And in this one, he answers and he lies about his identity and he says, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according to as thou badest me arise. I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God has brought it to me. Although he was blind, Isaac thought something was off. He tried to rely on his other human senses. He used the sense of time frames. No doubt, although his eyes were dim, he could tell what time of day it was, or at least approximately, because there was a little more light in the day than there should have been if you're going to go out hunting. And so he uses his senses of knowing what time it is when he inquired how the deer had been killed so quickly. And Jacob lies to him to deceive that sense and says, The Lord brought it to me. Verse 21, And Isaac said to Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him. And the voice, the, I'm sorry, and, 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 he, and he drew near to feel the hands. He said, the, uh, verse 21, I'm sorry, let me go backwards. And Isaac said to Jacob, come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him. And he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Isaac remains unsure, but he de- and he demands to examine Jacob's arms. He was going to use his sense of feeling. I want you to notice what's happening. He's using his human senses. And he's going to use his sense of feeling. And he feels. And the hands seem to be Esau's. But his ears are telling him that the voice is the voice of Jacob. Verse 24. And he's still questioning. Verse 24. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And verse 25. He said, Bring it near me that I may eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father and his father Isaac said unto him, Come near and kiss me, my son. And even though he was uncertain, Isaac ate of the meat, and he did a taste test. I want to find out if this really is what it is. But something about that sense had started to grow dim as well. Couldn't tell the difference between Uh, sheep, goat, and venison. And there he starts to bestow a blessing upon his son. But right before he does, verse 27 says, And he came near, and he kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment. He finally went through the last test. He got up as close as he could, and he smelled. And he said, and he blessed him and said, See, 
The smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord God had blessed. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be everyone that blesseth thee. He even brought Jacob close enough to use his sense of smell. But he smelled like the field. And the last of Isaac's remaining senses had failed him. And in that process, he blessed him. This is what we're going to talk about here tonight. Isaac was suspicious. He felt like something was wrong. Even though something was wrong, verse 23 tells us, what the real challenge was and what the real problem was. Verse 23 says, He discerned him not. He had suspicion. He had uncertainty. He had a bad feeling. The facts were not lining up. Something was not sounding right. But it was not enough to have human feeling to motivate Isaac out of deception. He lacked discernment. Brother Prado said, discernment refers to the ability to understand and to tell apart spiritual and moral principles from falsehood, from lies, and deception. It involves having wisdom, insight, and sensitivity to God's word and God's will. This, in turn, allows us to make wise and righteous decisions. In other words, there is a difference between discernment and your human senses. And and, and the challenge in this generation is that Christians don't know the difference between how they feel and discernment that comes from God. I'm going to talk about this here tonight. Senses, our human senses, help us in observing what we know. But discernment helps us know what we are observing. Your senses will have you recognize something because you've seen it before. But discernment will take something you've never seen. You don't know how it feels. You don't know if it's right or not. And it will begin to tell you exactly what you are seeing. And it will explain to you what's happened on. If I were to define it out this way, senses are feeling, but discernment is knowing. And I want to preach to somebody about this for just a moment. When Esau returned from his hunt, Amen. And presented his meal. It was at that moment Isaac began to tremble. Because finally the last piece. The the, the one thing that Isaac could not let go of. He, He had been fooled in the way he felt. He had been fooled in the time of day. He had been fooled in the way his son smelled. He had been fooled in all of these other ways. But there was something about his sense of hearing that he had heard. This is the voice of Jacob, not the voice of Esau. But when his brother Esau came in, amen, he trembled because he realized too late, I have blessed the wrong son. Finally, Esau's voice showed up. It was at that moment Isaac realized that his discernment had failed him and he had begun to tremble. It was at that moment that he realized I relied upon my failing feelings and not on the discernment that God gives. I want you to notice how without discernment he didn't heed the one sense that worked. Without discernment his sense of hearing 
was not able to be amplified the way that it should. The hands seemed to be the hands of Esau. The way it felt seemed to feel right. But the voice belonged to Jacob. His touch had failed him, but his hearing did not. And Jacob's arm felt right, but the voice, the message was wrong. I'm going to talk to the Facebook generation, the Instagram, TikTok. And, and, you know, it must be the teenagers. No, I want to tell you there's 60-year-olds on Instagram right now that you are scrolling endlessly and you are seeing things and you are starting to apply things to your life without praying about it. And you are applying things as if they are a word from God, but they are not a word from God. They are a word from John Maxwell. And John Maxwell might be a great leader, but he's not a but it's not the Word of God. And you might hear a cute quote from somebody on your Instagram feed or your Facebook that has reposted something, and it speaks to your flesh, and it speaks to your senses, and your senses are telling you that feels good, amen, that if they don't love me at my worst, they don't deserve me at my best, and that feels good to my ego, and that feels good to my pride, and that feels good to my bitterness, but that's not Bible. I come to talk to somebody about discernment. It feels good. It feels right. But it's not right. The message is wrong. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise all across this building. I want to tell the church, it doesn't matter how it feels. I want to ask you a question. What is its message? Well, I went to a church, and it felt real good. Great. I'm glad you liked the music. I'm glad the people shook your hand. I, I'm so glad that you felt accepted. I, I, that's wonderful. But I've got a question. What is the message that they have preached? Uh, what is the word that they have told you? What does it take to be saved? Do you just got to shake the preacher's hand? Do you got to give a couple thousand dollars in the offering? Do you got to do a couple more good deeds and a couple more good works? Do you just got to say a quick prayer or send a text to the number on the screen to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Or have you believed the true message of the gospel, which is repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Have you gone through the death, the burial, and the resurrection? Have you gone through the blood, the water? water and the spirit can I preach to somebody discernment will tell you that the message makes a difference that the message matters somebody ought to give God some praise here today hallelujah the message matters more than how it feels well I didn't like how you said that what was the message hallelujah because there's a lot of people, the Bible says in the last days, they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure. He was not writing that to the world. He was writing that to the church. And I want to tell you that in the church right now, as I'm teaching, there are people that don't want to heed. That is to slow down, listen with the intent to do something about what was said. There are people that will hear me but not truly listen. There are people that will hear me but never do anything about it. There are people that will listen to the message with their ears but not with their heart. And they will, they will, they will let it go in one ear and out the other because they will not endure sound doctrine. But they will heed to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, that is saying, preacher, tell me what I want to hear. You know, I have people, oh, man, I heard this, I heard this preacher on Instagram say this. And, and you know, uh, sometimes, they, sometimes the message isn't wrong, but the spirit's wrong. 
oh man, I heard this preacher, they said this, they, they said that. And if you really boil it down, if you got discernment, you realize it is humanism wrapped up in a Bible verse. That church is now about me and not about God. It's about how I feel. I, I want to tell you, uh, and, and I heard this today, he says, very good. The Bible was not written to you. It was written for you. And, and, the, and, and modern Christianity, who has heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears, saying, tell me what I want to hear, will open up their Bible and say, what does God have to say to me today? I want to tell you, that is not what the Bible is for. The Bible is not a letter to you. A le- it is a letter for you. And so when you read about Esau, it is not, well, what is God telling me? What is about me? It's not about you. Right now, it's about Esau. But in the midst of that, God will speak to you, amen, by speaking to Esau and speaking to the Scriptures. And God will start speaking to you through a rhema word of what you need to do. But that Scripture was not written to you. It was not written about you. Amen. It was written about other things in context text and it's going to change your life it's and and, and the world would have you believe uh, that if it's not about me it's not important I want to tell you amen there's so many things in life that are not about us that are of eternal value there's so many I I didn't come to church because it was about me I came to church because it's about him And I've just come to tell somebody, in the church of the living God, we've got to be careful because in the church of the living God, you've got converts and you've got consumers. And and I, I want to just preach to somebody here today. Amen. God has called us to be converts. We're supposed to be converted. We're supposed to become disciples. But the modern Christian, secular Christian thought process and the message they're saying is it's all about consuming. Uh, bring me a word. Uh, tell me what I got to hear. Uh, tell me what I want to hear. Uh, amen. But God sent you a preacher and God brought you to this house not to tell you what you want to hear, but to tell you what you need to hear. And when you open up the Bible, it's not there to tell you what you want to hear. It's there to tell you what you need to hear. And but without discernment, you'll start thinking, oh, man, this sounds good. But it's not right. This is why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by That's a human sense. Amen. The Bible also says faith comes by and hearing by the word of the Lord. In other words, if you want discernment in your life, you have to consistently hear God's word. When they asked Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and he responded Mark 12, 29, they said, what is the first, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus responded, and he quoted Deuteronomy 6, 4, and Jesus said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I want you to notice the first commandment in your Bible, the first of the Ten Commandments, is to hear. Your commandment is not to know there's one God. It's to hear, which means you've got to constantly hear. Amen. That word hear is to hearken, to do, to obey the fact that there's one God. There's a lot of people that know in their brain, intellectually, that there's one God. But because their faith is not being increased by the hearing of there being one God, by opening up the word, by having a prayer life, by going deeper in the word of God, they are living like there's more than one God, and they're one of them. I want to tell you, when you obey the commandment of the Lord, you hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. If you don't have God's word, you will lack discernment and you will be deceived. Pastor, how do I avoid being deceived in this generation? You need the word of God. You Turn to your name and tell them you won't make it without the word of God. You won't make it. It's not going to happen. Well, 
And, and this is the challenge. This is the challenge. And I get it. And I thank God everybody's here tonight, so please hear me the right. I mean, it's all good. I'm, I'm happy tonight. I'm not, hopefully nobody hears. I'm just, I'm angry at the devil is what I'm angry at. But, uh, but, but, but there's people that they come to church and they say, Pastor, can you bring me a word and distill it down for me? And that's my job. I'll do that. But at the same time, uh, that's like me taking all your food, putting it in a blender, and then feeding it to you. You don't have to chew. You don't have to do nothing. And, and that's good. That's an order. We need to do that. But there's also got to be somebody that goes home and, and gets on their grill and grills themselves up a steak, and they start cutting through it so that they can feed their family, and it lasts, and it satiates. And there's people that God has got a word. Uh, well, Pastor, I need a fresh word. I want to tell you, you got 66 books right here. Amen. Hey, don't, don't wait to come to church to open up your Bible. Don't, don't wait for the pastor to say open up to Genesis 27 for that to be the first time you've opened up the Bible. Because if you want to get away from deception in the end times, you've got to know the Word. You've got to hear the Word. You can't get discernment without the Word of God. Jesus combated the devil by saying, it is written. You know how many people are losing to the devil because they don't know what is written? They've been given over to all sorts of lies and deception because they don't know what is written. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. I want to tell you, if you need discernment, I'll tell you where you get it. You get it from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is, its key function is a discerner. People talk about the Word of God, Ephesians, saying it is the sword of the Spirit. And they're saying, Pastor, I want to know the Word so I can hack off the heads of devils. I want to tell you, that's great. But the Word of God's primary function is to do surgery on your heart. It's to do... Yes, it'll defeat the devil, but it'll defeat the devil inside all of us uh, called the flesh. Amen. Yes, it can help you overcome uh, spiritual adversity, but the number one thing it'll do is it'll help you to discern that what's life, uh, what's the devil, what's me, what's my emotions, what's my feeling, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, and that word will get down in there and you'll have a word. You know, it's easier to discern things if you have a scripture for it. That's why David said, thy word I have hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 119, 11. Psalms 119 and 9, he said, wherewithal or how shall a young man cleanse his way? He said, there's only one way. Let me, let me teach this to everybody. He said, you got to take heed according to his word. you got to have the word of God. If you are looking at life and saying, I don't know the way to go. I don't know what step to take. I don't know which direction to go. Amen. I want to encourage you, open up the word of God. And you might think, how's it going to help me? It's an old ancient book. I'll tell you what will happen. He said in Psalms 119. 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You could be in the darkest time of your life, but the scripture's got a word for you. That scripture will come out and it'll, it'll shine a light on exactly what you need to do. It'll help you to discern dark times. It'll help you to discern hard times. It'll help you to discern what is what. You know, when we don't have the word of God, when we don't have discernment, we will start saying, well, that don't feel good. And we will say, it must not be of, it must not be of God because it doesn't feel good. Imagine if Paul didn't have discernment. And he said, this thorn in the flesh, I got to rebuke it. <laughs> it's the devil. And, 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 and I know this because I deal with people. It's always the devil. 
but Paul prayed three times, not just three times, he prayed three times a day. And God spoke to him and said, I gave this to you. And there are people right now, you are trying to rebuke something God gave to you. And it is a gift to save you. And, and don't resist the thorn that God's using to save you. But if you don't have discernment, you'll start rebuking things out of your life. And you'll start r- running from things in your life that God doesn't want you to run from. Discernment says this is part of the process. Discernment says this is what God is using to purify me. James said, don't despise the, tri- the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened. The trying of your faith being much more precious than gold or silver that perishes. But without discernment, you'll get in a trial and you'll think it's the devil attacking you and not God purifying you. And the devil used that to discourage you that you're just going through fight after fight after fight and you won't know the purpose of why you're fighting. You won't know the purpose of why the fire around you and you won't know the purpose of why you're going through hell and why you're going through sickness. But if you ever get discernment operating in your life, you will recognize this is a gift from Jesus. This is not to make me bitter. This is to make me better. This is not to make me discouraged. This is to make me a disciple. This is not to hurt me. This is to help me. This is not to destroy me. This is to build me up. Somebody ought to thank God for discernment. Somebody ought to thank God for discernment. you got to have discernment. Because if not, you'll be like Isaac and you will tremble over bad decisions. Anybody else ever done this? I'll be the first to raise my hand. I felt like it was a good idea. And trust me, I know. Because I have good intuition. Y'all just said that this week. I just, I'm just a cut above the rest. I have a high intelligence level. Sometimes. Depending on the week. Praise God. I just, I just, I just know. I got around that person, and I just feel something. It's funny how uh, when, when you talk to spiritual, I say that in quotes, spiritual people, they can discern everybody else's spirit but not their own. Could it be you're rude, and that person is reverberating back what they're getting from you, and you think that's a rude person? But if the Bible says if you want friends, you must show yourself friendly. And if you, if you come by, hey, all of a sudden, you find out that mean person is not as mean as you thought they were, but you projected on them because of how you felt. That's not discernment. That's feelings. Praise God. you got to have discernment in this generation because if you don't, you will come into the kingdom of God and you will just go based off of spirituality that's not of God. And there's people that they will run from the things God's trying to do and they'll hide from the things God's trying to do when, in fact, it was God doing it the whole time, but they didn't even know it. It is Jacob later praying, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. He spent all night sleeping on a rock for a pillow and he thought, man, this is just me running for my life, but he didn't realize that he was in the presence of the Lord. Without discernment, you'll be like Samson thinking, I'm spiritual and I don't need to pray and I'm spiritual and and I don't need to fast and I'm spiritual and I don't need to read the word and I'm spiritual without going to church and I'm spiritual without going to fellowships and I'm spiritual without going to the altar and I'm spiritual though I'm getting on internet pornography and I'm spiritual even though I'm binge watching Netflix and I'm spiritual even though I just keep commenting on Facebook day in and day out and I haven't opened up the word and Samson shook himself one day and did not know, did not discern that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. 
People today are becoming more godless, but they are not becoming less spiritual. Our world is more spiritual, but it is less Christian. The world's music, movies, social media, social movements, and, and, sinister, and all the sinister agendas are full of bad spirits. People are talking very spiritual. In fact, I would say people today are talking more spiritual than they have in a long time. Good vibes. Just didn't have good vibes off that person. That's spiritualism. That's mysticism. Well, I just, I just got a bad, I got an ooky spooky feeling. Y'all, help me out here tonight. I know I'm not the only one that has heard this, and some of y'all might have said that this week. I just, just you know, I just, I, I just don't know. It just, it just, it just feels, feels weird. I can't. Now, that's not your feelings aren't always wrong. But you know, they talk about manifesting, but not about prayer. You know, if you want something, you just gotta manifest it. I'd like to see them manifest a duck in front of me. It's funny how that idea of manifesting is a very American commercialized. Amen. It's, it's, it's the people that have already made it. They've been successful and they tell you, how'd you get there? They go, I manifested it. No, 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 no. You didn't manifest nothing. Amen. Now, we do know the biblical concept that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, if you speak negatively, you're going to start thinking negatively. And there's all these other things that go there. And the Bible does tell us, as a man thinketh, so is he. And you become the type of person that you think. And there's all these other things that are, in fact, scriptural. But people will talk about manifesting, and they won't talk about prayer. They will talk about self-actualization and how to become a better person. But they won't talk about Holy Ghost transformation. This generation is full of influencers. Have you ever thought about that? They're trying to do what? Influence you. Have you ever thought about what they're trying to influence you for? Has anybody prayed for enough discernment to find out what they're trying to influence you to do? It's probably more than buy their t-shirt, their hoodie, and more than buy their product. I want to tell you, they want you to buy into their ideals. They want you to buy into their morals. But somebody's got to wake up and say, I don't need anybody to influence me. I need to follow him. Everybody in this generation is saying, follow me. But you know the first one that said, follow me? Jesus said, follow me. Isn't it interesting how they call them followers and everybody's following it. You know what the key function of being a disciple is? Following him. I want to tell you how you become a disciple of somebody that's of the devil. You follow them. I want to tell you, no Christian needs to be following people that are just full of the devil. Yeah, I don't care if you like their music, don't follow them. If they're not living right, don't follow them. You don't need to follow people that have, that have walked away and reprobates to the faith. Just Hallelujah, I'll, just, I'll step off that soapbox. But there are people that they are influencers, and everybody's a guru. They're going to show you how, whether it be how to paint a house or how to, how to, how to summon spirits into your living room. They'll tell you everything from crystals. They'll talk to you about all sorts of stuff. They're a guru on how to have a happy marriage, and uh, they're a guru on this, and they're a guru on that. And everybody's a guru. Everyone's telling you how to feel. Everybody's telling you what to do. They want to influence you, but the spirit is wrong. It feels like something I want, but the message is wrong. That's the way the Bible says we must try the spirits to see whether they are of God. When is the last time you have prayed about that friendship? Well, that's my coworker. 
Yes, that's your coworker, but what is your coworker leading you into? When's the last time you prayed about, well, we're just, it's just messaging back and forth on Instagram. When's the last time you prayed about whether or not God is interested in that? Because whether you know it or not, you may actually be encountering somebody who's operating under the spirit of adultery. And although, yeah, when I have a tough day, they listen to me. But instead of going to them, what if you went to your spouse? And there's a danger in people not having discernment because they will start doing things because it feels good, but it isn't good. And they'll do things that feel right, but isn't right. I've just really come to help the church here tonight because if we don't have discernment, I want to tell you, even the very elect will be deceived if we don't pray for discernment. I want to tell you, if we don't pray for discernment, the devil's going to walk in and tear families out of the kingdom. If we don't have discernment, the devil's, you're going to have a wolf in sheep's clothing show up and you'll think they're a man of God, but they're not. And you'll think they're a prayer warrior, but they're full of the devil and they're channeling spirits and it's not a Holy Spirit. And you'll listen to all sorts of people and listen to all sorts of voices. And you'll get advice from everybody else but that which preaches to you and that which prays for you. And that which you'll take advice from a friend that doesn't care if you're lost or saved. And you'll ignore the, the advice of a family member that's been praying for you and fasting for you. And, and if you don't have discernment, you'll see them as a friend, but they're an enemy. You know, the Bible says that Amnon had a friend. So the Bible says Amnon had a friend. And you know what that friend told him to do? Just go and forgive the language. He said, go and, and abuse your sister. That's in the Bible. That's what his friend told him. But because he lacked discernment, he went and did it. And it ended up costing him his life. And later in that context, you find that same person standing there. And, it, and the, the image the Bible gives is that he's chuckling and he's laughing. And I want to tell you, just because they say they're your friend doesn't mean they're your friend. And just because they act like it some days doesn't mean they really are. And they don't always have your best interest at heart. I'm, I came to deliver somebody because the devil has got you on this area of discernment. And he's got you thinking that these voices are good, but they're not good. Time for the saints of God to be more discerning than ever before. This is why he said that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, because some people start getting the habit of skipping out. He said, but we should gather together more as we see the day approaching, because the, the, the deception is not going to get lessened, it's only going to get more. They're deceiving people on their gender. Listen, it didn't start at gender. It started a long time ago on some other things. And now what has been seen is uh, what might have been seen years ago, even 10 years ago, as a mental disorder is now being propagated. And eventually it's going to be legalized. And eventually if you say anything against it, it's going to be hate speech. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. But now the next generation is going to normalize what they used to call a disorder. And now the next generation is going to accept. And the deception is going to get further and further and further. And people that get further away from church, they're going to start thinking it's a bunch of fuddy-duddies. It's a bunch of folks from the Mayflower. They don't know what they're talking about. They haven't gone up with the times. Brother, I want to tell you, this book, amen, is not modern, but it's still relevant. This this word right here will save your soul. This word right here will put your marriage back together. This word right here will get you to heaven. This word right here will make a preacher out of you. This word right here will make make you a Christian. This word right here will... just say this you are not born with God's discernment don't act like you got it because well I just feel everybody feels but feelings will lie to you you know there's people that got married because well I felt like they were the right one 
And it wasn't the right one. But they didn't counsel. They didn't pray. They just went out and did it. And, you know, everything becomes confirmation when you make up your mind. You make up your mind for something that's bad, and you just start, it's, it's confirmation. Everything that comes together, it's confirmation, it's confirmation, because you already made up your mind. I wonder what happened if you just made up your mind on Jesus. And now all of a sudden, everything that happens to you is this confirmation. I'm going through hell. Hey, I must be living for Jesus. I'm fighting sickness. I must be living for Jesus. Why? Because now it's a confirmation. Amen. We're not born with God's discernment. We need to get it from God. Gut checks, intuition, suspicion, premonitions, hunches, previous feelings, previous experiences, street smarts, intelligence, feelings that you have are not discernment. Leaning on those things is leaning upon your own understanding. Isaac had a gut feeling that he was talking to Esau, but he didn't have discernment to know that he wasn't. Therefore, he made an irreversible mistake. Isaac felt that he had a hunch that something was off, but he did not have discernment, so he unintentionally caused a family rift between his sons. Isaac's fatherly instincts told him that he wasn't talking to Esau, but because he did not have discernment, he was deceived by a cheap costume and sheep's, sheep's clothing. Amen. Old, old, old testament version of wolves in sheep's clothing. You ever notice how the wolf doesn't come in wolves' clothing? The devil is transformed, the Bible says, into an angel of light. Pastor, it's everything I've ever prayed for, wanted. You might want to have some prayer meetings about discernment because the devil's not going to tempt you with that which you hate. He's going to tempt you with that which seems to be exactly what it is. And there's sometimes where God's just blessing you and you pray about it and you know it's the will of God and God has helped you and that's awesome. But there's times where you just see, amen, because you've got a gut feeling that it's good. And really what it is is you want to feed that flesh and that flesh is saying go after it. But it's not Esau, it's Jacob. It's actually something that is seeking. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he will deceive you, amen, so he can steal from you. He will deceive you so he can kill you. He will deceive you so he can destroy you. And it'll come in the form of that which you are desiring. It'll come in the form of that. It'll show up when you're lonely, amen, as a girlfriend. It'll show up, uh, amen, as a good opportunity. It'll show up as all these other things. And you'll think if you don't pray and you don't get discernment, you'll think it's of God when it's not. But I've got good news for you. If you pray for wisdom, the Bible says he will not withhold it. If you pray for discernment, God will not withhold it from you. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. There's a lot of people that have a gut feeling that they shouldn't do something, but they do it anyways. Why is that? Because they have a lack of discernment. Some people say, I feel like I'm going through the same trial over and over. This is just one example. If that's how it feels, that means it's time to ask for discernment because the last few times this trial's come around, you didn't get the lesson. And you keep failing the test. You can't, that's, that is God's way of telling you, you cannot rely on your own feelings. You cannot rely on what you think. You cannot rely on your gut instinct. You have got to pray. Don't think about everything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about everything. Pray about everything. And I want to tell you, it's more than just coming to church and praying. There's just times you've got to say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Can I be very real? There's a lot of times as a pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell people. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do. I know how to pray. And I know how to get a hold of God. And I get on my knees. And though I might be inexperienced, and though I may not have the answer in that moment, I'll tell you what happens. God will bring a discernment and things that I didn't understand and things that I didn't know. 
all of a sudden God begins to work through that because God and through his word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I've just come to tell somebody here today, it's time to pray for discernment. It's time to pray for discernment in your marriage. It's time to pray for discernment about your family. It's time to pray for discernment in your career. It's time to pray for discernment in your calling. It's time to pray for discernment in your relationships. It's time to pray for discernment with your children. It's time to pray for discernment in your church. It's time to pray for discernment in your ministry. It's time to pray for discernment. Let's stand all across the building. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across this building. God will give discernment if you want it, but you got to want it. And you got to be willing to say, God, I thought I was right. And you have to be willing to admit, I was wrong. I felt right, but it was wrong. It felt like a good idea, but it was a bad idea. It felt like it was perfect will of God, and it ended up being perfect will of me. You know, feelings are fickle. That means they change. And I've met, I've met too many people that live by how they feel. That is one of the sources of instability in some people's lives. They live by how they feel. Now, don't be a robot. You're supposed to feel. That's human. Be a human. But when you're done feeling, pray. And, you know, it's like don't go shopping when you're hungry. You start picking up all sorts of stuff. Well, maybe that's the best time to go shopping. I don't know. But, man, I go into the store hungry, and I'm like, man, you know what we should try to make? And it's still sitting in the cabinet right now. We never even tried to make it. Because once we got done grabbing the Costco rotisserie chicken, we decided we didn't really want to make the dinner. Don't go shopping when you're hungry. You know, when you are full of feelings because we're human, that's not the time to make decisions. It's after you've prayed through those feelings and got discernment on them. Because sometimes it's not other people that are lying to you. Sometimes we're lying to ourselves. Amen. I can't be the only one who's ever lied to myself. Yeah, I was in the right on that one. And then I pray, and God's like, no, you weren't. And you're going to have to make it right. The same Holy Ghost will have me speak in tongues. The same Holy Ghost will tell me to apologize and tell him I was wrong. Hallelujah. In this generation especially, people are not acting on what they know to be right unless they feel like it's right. I'll act on it when I feel like it. When you have the discernment that finally comes by and tells you this is right, go act on it. And God will give you more information. Well, I don't know the next step. You don't need to know the next step. Just follow through with the step he gave you today. And if you follow through the step he gave you in discernment today and you do what he told you to do today, he'll tell you what to do tomorrow. Amen. The biggest challenge of living by feeling and not discernment is that you will end up blessing the wrong thing and you'll even feel good about it until the day that Esau walks in and you realize your mistake. Living without discernment is all a blessing until Esau walks in. It is Abraham saying, look, we have done the will of God. Here's Ishmael. And God finally shows up 15 years later and says, that's not it. It is Saul who God said, kill all the Amalekites. And he spares the king and he spares the sheep. And he says, he says to the prophet, when the prophet shows up, he says, see, I have done the will of God. And the prophet says, no, you didn't. And by the time his life is over, 
he has gone to a witch for a word from God. See, I'm being spiritual still. And there's people that operate under manipulation and not authority. And they think they're under, they're, I want to tell you this sermon, it's a big deal. And at the end of his life, he has thrown himself on his own spear. And the Bible says that there is a young man jumping on his back to finish him off. And he leans to him and he says, who are you? And he says, I am the son of an Amalekite. See, God was actually trying to save Saul's life. But because he didn't pray for discernment and he just felt like what he was doing was right. Then he, you know, as long as I don't feel convicted about something, here's the problem with conviction. Let me just, I'm done here, I'm done here. I just, I feel the Holy Ghost on me tonight to really help. Here's the problem with conviction. Conviction will keep coming to you until you start to sear your conscience. At first you can push it away and that loud booming voice gets quieter and quieter, and quieter, and quieter, and quieter, until it's not that God's not speaking, it's that you pushed him so far away, and you cauterized your ears to where now he can no longer speak, and you will end and say, see, I have done the will of God. And the truth is, you didn't. But here's the beauty of all of this. His spirit renews our spirit. And if you will come to this altar tonight and pray, God, would you renew my mind? Would you renew my spirit? God, would you renew, maybe I have the wrong viewpoint of things, the wrong idea about things. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm actually in the right. But God, I'm going to stop doing things just based on how I feel about them. I'm going to pray about them. And that is going to make a difference in your Christian walk. And it's at that moment you will bless the right things, and God will bless you. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Tonight we're going to pray a very simple prayer. We're going to pray for discernment. We're going to pray that God would speak to us. We're going to pray that God would, when you open up the word of God, the Bible says that Jesus looked at his disciples and he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I want to tell you tonight, that ought to be our prayer. God, that every time I come to church and hear the preaching, help me to hear what is right. Help me to hear what is true. Help me to hear what you want me to hear. And God, when I open up this word, when I pray, I pray that, God, I would listen to your voice, that I would have discernment on the right things. Oh, somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray for discernment. Now, this I hope I hope you heard me correctly. I'm not I'm not rebuking anybody or saying anybody's. No, there's people in this building. You came to church. You've been praying. You've been seeking God. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Just keep praying. Just keep seeking God. But at the end of the day, we can't rely on our own emotions. We can't rely on our own feelings. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And when you pray for discernment, discernment will tell you when your heart's lying to you. Discernment will tell you, amen, when your heart is not right. Discernment will tell you when your thinking is off. Discernment will tell you when your spirit's off. Discernment will tell you when you're getting carnal. Discernment will tell you when you need to go do some good things and where you need to be and discernment will tell you what job you need to work and discernment will tell you where you need to go and discernment will tell you who you need to marry and discernment will tell you what ministry you need to be involved in. Discernment will tell you who to talk to. Discernment will tell Philip what chariot to evangelize to. Discernment is there. you got to have it. Let's pray.
Pray. Come on, right where you are, there's some situations you're dealing with. You don't have direction on. You don't have discernment on it. Pray about it right now. Maybe it's something you're frustrated about. Pray about it. Because God might give you a word. Maybe it's an area of tension. Maybe it's an area of pain. Pray about it. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray for discernment. God, help me to know. Help me to know what is the will of the Lord. Help me to know what's the will of me. God, help me to know what the right thing is. Help me to know what the wrong thing is. Help me to know up from down, right from wrong, good from bad, light from dark. God, help me to know because this world is confusing it and it's getting convoluted and it's the waters are getting muddied and everything's stirring around in this generation. And God, I need to know what is the will of the Lord. I need to know what the right thing is. I need to know what I need to know that the word is right. I need to know, God. Somebody pray. Come on, let's say, lift up your hands. I believe that God's giving discernment to somebody right now. Could be about a particular situation. It might just be in generality. Somebody pray right now.
Would you lift up your hands one more time? You know, sometimes I think this is why God put it in there. That he went through, that Isaac went through all of his physical senses. From touch, to taste, to feel, to smell. He went, all of them. And even his dim eyes. He tried. And it was not enough. And I think that's really the message. Our human senses are not enough. And this is why we pray. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons that we pray. Because the truth is, I, I might feel... Like, I know, you know, sometimes, and I've done this before, I just knew that what I said was right. And sometimes what you say is right, but your spirit's wrong. Or the timing's not right. And, and there's just those moments that if you pray, the Lord will actually say, not yet. Discernment is this. Paul is evangelizing and preaching, taking the gospel to the known world. And, and in this, he's like right up next to Asia. And he goes, what a perfect opportunity to go to Asia. And the Holy Ghost gives him discernment and says, do not go to Asia. In fact, he sends him about a thousand miles or so in the wrong direction. And when he gets there, He's frustrated because things aren't happening. Things aren't, and he's thinking, what am I doing wasting my time? And then God speaks to him and shows him a vision of a Macedonian man. And he starts making his way back to Asia. And you know what your Bible tells you? That all of Asia heard the word in the space of two and a half years or so. About two years. Imagine if he would have just said, I know, I, I, I know it's right. It feels good. It feels convenient. It feels like the right thing. He would have had no success because he wasn't on God's time frame. You know, there's some things that are right. They're just not right now. And we have to be willing to accept that. There's just some things that are right, but they're not right now. There's some things that are just wrong, no matter when it is. But then that's the other, that's the other challenge is what's right and what's right now. And if we will pray for discernment, God will actually send us sometimes what seems like in the opposite direction. But when we arrive on position, He's already set the stage with hungry hearts. You know, let me just say this to somebody. The job you've been praying for, the open door you've been praying for, the miracle you've been praying for. Uh, let me use the open door idea. The open door you've been praying for. You know where that's going to be found? Behind a lot of closed doors. You don't need every door to open. 
You just need discernment for the right door to open. Because if you're not careful, there's some doors. And this is where discernment comes in. There's some doors that don't close to you. They just stay perpetually open, but they're not the door you need to walk through. And if you walk through that open door, thinking it's an open door from God, it ends up not being the right door, and you miss the open door down the road. This is why we've got to be people of prayer. People of prayer. Well, we pray. You know, you don't need to, you don't need to have a five-hour prayer meeting. You can be driving down the road and say, God, I'm, I don't know about this. You know, it feels right, but I just want to make sure it is right. You begin to pray. And there's sometimes you're like, I feel like it's, I feel like it's not the right thing, and the Lord will tell you, go. Do it. Amen? Let's pray one more time. Father, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that we would be people of prayer, that would counsel and speak with you, God. There's, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And I'm praying tonight, God, that each and every one of us would be people of prayer. And as we pray, God, that we would get wisdom, understanding, and discernment. And I'm asking, Lord, by the authority of your name, God, that you would help each and every one of us to obey and to follow your will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Praise God. Don't forget this Friday night at 7 30 p.m. We're going to have a Christmas party here. It's going to be a great time. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. In Jesus' name, God bless you.